This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You are listening to Front Office Features with Rob Crane, presented by San Diego State Sports MBA Program. Each week on Front Office Features, we have a discussion with a sports executive in an effort to take you behind the curtain to learn more about the inner workings of the business and provide insights to help start and grow your sports business career. This week, our guest is Jack Tipton, who's the Senior Director of Sales for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Been listening to this podcast, you know I've been talking a lot about reconnecting with my elementary school uh, classmate of mine for like 25 years ago. We have literally not talked probably since 1991. And uh, as you know, I ran across him on LinkedIn, and the rest is history. So Jack was uh, kind enough to join us, uh, and we dive deep into his career. We, uh, quote-unquote, gets the opportunity to fail. Great line uh, and great experience that you can draw from that line. His, I think his big or go home mentality has actually led to so much of his success. And we talk about his successes and one big failure that makes him uh, the well-rounded sports executive he is today. Jack also reiterates a common theme we hear here on Front Office Features, preparation, 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 and really being prepared to sell your idea that you may have internally to your colleagues. But before we get to Jack, uh, let's get to San Diego State Sports MBA program, the one that Jack Tipton went to that started this whole thing. Um, included in this wonderful MBA program is a trip to the Dominican. Your uh, study abroad experience in partnership with Major League Baseball Office uh, to study the impact of baseball's popularity in the country. They also do community service work uh, in the country where the prospects uh, are found and the scouts are looking to find them. They do visit the academies and speak to the prospects about the importance of an education. They also visit uh, with a Major League Baseball sponsor uh, who's a bank and uh, learn how, uh, how the bank leverages their partnership to promote financial literacy. And there is still time to uh, get this application started, though it is really running out. Uh, it start, It ends on uh, November 1st, which is, uh, we're recording this, it's Tuesday and uh, it's it's Friday, so you better like hurry up and get your application in for all you procrastinators out there. So visit sdsu.edu backslash smba to get all the information. So without further ado, here is Jack Tipton. Hello and welcome to Front Office Features. I am Rob Crane. And my guest today, we have been talking about him like crazy. His name is Jack Tipton, who is the Senior Director of Partnership Sales 
with the Pittsburgh Penguins, and I haven't seen you since fifth or sixth grade. Yeah, I mean, I, I, what? When was it? Was it fourth or fifth? I, I don't know. I can't remember. I, I, I uh, so I left. I was sixth grade. Uh, we were at Mount Gallitzin Academy in Baden, Pennsylvania. <laughs> Uh, yeah. and I moved to Boston in the middle of sixth grade and you and I were like friends. Like we would hang out. I was, I was telling my ma, like, I think I slept over his house and like, we played sports and stuff and mm-hmm. we like, mm-hmm. like we were legit like friends. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, that's school. I don't know if you know that that school's no longer in existence. Uh, no kidding. I didn't know that, but yeah, no, no longer, no longer, uh, there. Uh, I, I don't, it was a, it was a charter school. And I don't know what what is there right now, but um, yeah, it no longer exists. It was fun times, but yeah, I remember playing basketball. Um, yeah, but playing all the sports recess, it's just crazy. I had no idea that you were doing what you were doing in the uh, sports industry. So small world, small world, and I had no idea that you were doing. So I got to tell us. We got to tell the story a little bit about how we reconnected, right? So I'm on LinkedIn. Yeah, please do. You 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 lead it. Uh, I'm I'm on LinkedIn, and just kind of messing around on LinkedIn as we all kind of do. And I saw uh, Jack Tipton liked something. I was like, I used to know a Jack Tipton. Can't be the same thing. So I click on it. And uh, it's like senior director partnership sales for the Penguins. Penguin, that's Pittsburgh. Maybe, maybe. Um, And then I looked at your profile picture and you have a beard. And I was like, well, it was fifth grade or sixth grade. He didn't have a beard, but <laughs> all right. Like, what the hell? Like, what? What's the? Uh, what's the worst that can happen? So I just sent you a message on LinkedIn. I was like, "Hey, random question. Uh, are you the same kid I played with recess at Mount Gallitzin Academy?" And you responded, "Yeah, that was me." <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we were able to connect, and it was uh, uh, so uh, that part was unbelievable. Do you know about the second part with Scott Minto? It, no, you need to fill me, and I, I have an idea, but I, I'd I'd love to to hear the story. All right, so I we were uh, Chris Valente and I, who's my partner on this podcast, uh, we were doing a, uh, a a show about reaching out on LinkedIn, and I told the story, the exact story that I just said. I think I told the very similar one uh, about reconnecting with you, like some guy I met sixth grade. Now he's killing it with the Penguins. So uh, Scott Minto, who is uh, the director of San Diego State uh, University, our sports MBA program, he hears this podcast. He's like, I know Jack Tipton. Jack went to San Diego State. And the whole world becomes incredibly small. And now San Diego State Sports MBA is our first sponsor. They're the presenting partner of our podcast sponsor of today's podcast and it all started from jack tipton here today it's uh yeah i mean the world just gets small it's it's wild it's, it's funny you mentioned though um knowing somebody from your childhood anybody that met me and knew me before the age of 14 calls me jackie and i'm sure it's the same with you calling you robbie right you know, right right you meet me after you you meet me after 14 i'm jack uh, but as somebody that met me as a kid called me Jackie, it's just, uh, again, small world. <laughs> I kept saying, uh, I kept, cause I remember you as smaller. So I was like, Oh, little Jackie yep. Tipton. And I was like, yes, Jackie yes, Jack sure. Tipton now could six, five, two forty, and kick the, the crap. Out of me. 
<laughs> right, right, exactly. No, I wish. I wish. <laughs> uh, but uh, it's an incredibly uh, small world, and I just think this is one of the great stories of uh, of all of all uh, of all time. It's just it's wild. Uh, again, it's uh, it's neat to see how people pursue their passion, uh, do really well in their career, and uh, you just never know where people are going to end up. <laughs> it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Uh, I love it. And uh, uh, congratulations on everything. So my first question, what the hell have you been doing since sixth grade? Yeah, a lot. <laughs> yeah, it, it, things, have, things have, uh, have gone well for me. I, I, um, I, I always liked sports. So again, at that age, when we were grade school classmates, I was a fan of sports, as were you. And um, as I got older, I felt like I wanted to find a way to try to make a living in sports. I knew that I wasn't good enough to play uh, sports professionally. I had some success in high school, but not enough to, to ever really uh, be a factor on the, the professional scale. So how am I going to make a living in sports? And um, in college, I, I ended up deciding to go to Notre Dame, which was a great experience for me, changed my life. And uh tried to, to figure out, okay, what am I going to do in sports? How can I get involved? So it was broadcasting. It was sports information. It was um, it, it, everything under the sun. I so, was volunteering for NBC Sports in college. trying you a to, teach to basically major? Be a, Did I see you as a yeah, teacher? So that's what I, I double majored. I was a marketing major, and then I, I took all of my extra classes uh, for uh, what they called uh, film and TV at, at Notre Dame. They don't have a traditional kind of broadcasting curriculum, but that's what I did. So I, I learned a hell of a lot uh, about film and TV, and um, it benefited me tremendously. So I knew I wanted to get into sports and um, found a way to do so, and it's been kind of a crazy ride ever since. That's, uh, so how did you make your way from – what was the trigger point of going from Notre Dame – to San Diego State. Yeah, it's, it was my roommate at Notre Dame. So I was a Pittsburgh kid. I had never been out west before, never been to California. And my roommate at Notre Dame was a guy who grew up uh, right outside of San Diego. And at the time, uh, physical newspapers were still in vogue. I still like physical newspapers, but at the time they were more popular than they obviously are now. And he was like, look, I, I read something in the San Diego Union Tribune about a new sports NBA program starting at San Diego State. It hadn't been done. And the cool thing about it is that it was aligned with the San Diego Padres. And I wanted to get into baseball. I was starting to pick my sport of choice. And, and I wanted to be a baseball guy. So Padres, San Diego, I could live with my roommate from college. I was in. And I was fortunate enough to get into that class. And it was the first class of that sports MBA program, which has thrived to this day. And my classmate was the aforementioned Scott Minto. So he was a classmate at the time. And then he ended up taking over the program and changing it to making it one of the best, if not the best, sports MBA program in the country. Uh, but it wouldn't have been possible without my roommate at Notre Dame. So, again, you just you meet people, you talk to people, they learn who you are and your interests and uh, and things happen. There's so much about this career, uh, and I would say life too, but I think it probably is accurate in any career, but sports is so small, uh, mm -hmm. that networking, that the world is tiny, and yeah. uh, you're able to connect with people. These people go on to do something else, which goes leads to go do something else, which leads to 
senior director of corporate partnerships with yeah, uh, sure. the, the the Pittsburgh Penguins, and I think uh, all of that is, excuse me, a good resource for people that uh, to learn. You want to network. Uh, you want to be friendly. I think one of the things uh, that you, I would assume you would agree with this. Some of the best abilities have nothing to do with, I don't know, how you close a deal or how good you are on social. It's like how friendly you are. You agree yeah, with that? how you work well with others. I, it, 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 I do. I, I think it's, it's really uh, how good of a teammate can you be. Uh, similar to what happens on the field or on the ice, there are players that are superstars, but maybe they're not the best teammates. Eventually, they, um, they expire. It doesn't work after a certain point. And it's the same thing in the front office. You have to be able to work well with others. And personally, I think that's something that you can control. There are things that are certainly outside of our control as executives in sports. But right. uh, working well with others is, is not one of those that uh, you, know, you should be able to control and make happen. I think we both did pretty well on that little check mark on your report card that says plays well with others at uh, mm-hmm. Mount Gallitzin Academy in uh, yeah, fourth grade. Right. And uh, I think we both did pretty well on that one. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, so, Jack, one of the things I, uh, I look at your career, I was researching you because, you know, like we said, you, last time I saw you was probably the last day I stepped out of Mount Gallitzin Academy to move to Boston. And uh, you've done some incredibly what I what I thought were creative partnerships right so uh the draft of the mma fighters when you worked there the you took muscle milk to the first uh national sports partnership uh you invented the pirates 5k which is now like if you're a baseball team you're not doing a 5k you're missing something um Mm -hmm. and i just saw that you did a penguins golden ticket there are a ton of creativity is that innate uh how did you how did you learn how to do that did you how did those things uh, come available to you? How did, how did those things happen? So, uh, I'm not the most creative person in my opinion, but what I, uh, pride myself in is, okay, I'm employed for a reason. How do I add value to this company that I work for and add value in a quantifiable way? And I, I get excited by the new and unknown. I also get excited with the opportunity to fail. Yeah, I said it. The opportunity to fail. Uh, I I, I want to go big or go home. You've heard that saying before. Right. And, and I'm okay with that. And uh, I think with that type of mindset, it uh, it creates opportunities for success. And, you know, for me, in, in all those different situations throughout my career, kind of having an idea to hang my hat on, uh, it, it's something where I view it as what would make this company, organization, property, team better and what creates either more interest, more revenue, more fans, all of the above. And um, it's just the way I approach, you know, business. And so ultimately, when you hear those three letters ROI thrown around all the time, uh, I, I look at it from my perspective, what type of return on investment is the organization that I'm working for getting on me. And I want it to be ridiculous. I want, uh, you know, the company or organization that I'm working for to go, wow, you know, we're, uh, we're doing well on that investment with Jack. And it's benefited me. And uh, it's just something that I consistently think about. And I think uh, in order to have success in, in whatever field you are professionally, you got to think that way. And uh, it may not have to be a big idea, but 
there can be something small, medium, or large that is an incremental improvement to what is currently happening in your organization or company at, at the moment. Um, you know, this, uh, so you're going through those. And now that I, uh, you know, we've both been in the sports industry a while, there's definitely some challenges that you overcame, right? No one just goes, you just don't go into a meeting and say, hey, I want to do a golden ticket. And they just go, okay, do whatever you'd like, Jack. Um, what were some of the challenges that right. uh, you overcame uh, internally to be able to do those creative things like the 5K and like the uh, golden ticket and the other ones that you've done? So it's preparation. Uh, so I, I, that's something that's controllable, control the controllable. I was really prepared with my ideas and I walk through the pros of doing something like this, the cons of doing something like this, the upside, the potential downside. Uh, I'm putting everything on the table and recommending why it's a good idea. As you know, sometimes internal selling is more difficult than external selling Amen. in Amen. certain situations. And uh, so you have to be skilled in, in that way to be able to get an idea, to be able to, to breathe some life into it and get it out into the market. So for me, it was preparation and, um, and being on the details. And so I knew what the impact would be of an idea if it was executed well. I also knew what the impact would be if, if the idea was executed poorly. And I tried to identify some of the downsides up front so that if things didn't go well, uh, we would have an idea of uh, what the impact would be accordingly. So preparation, again, is something that you can control. Uh, I feel like when you're trying to bring a new idea to life, if you're at a property or an organization, um, run through that pros and cons and be able to present this brief for memo or concept and, uh, and share why it will work and also some possibilities that it won't and the impact accordingly. And then if your organization is consistently shooting down your ideas, then it may not be the best place to work for you. So, you know, for me, I've been in situations where the organizations have given me the opportunity to kind of take the ideas and run with them and, and they've been successful for the most part. It's uh, funny you talk about preparation. One of our first guests was uh, was uh, Larry Lucchino, the CEO emeritus of the Boston Red Sox. And he uh, has a quote that will be etched in my brain forever, that Larry was, he calls himself, quote unquote, pathological about his preparation. Uh, and I think that as you continue to talk about preparation, our listeners uh, know as they begin and grow their sports business career that Preparation, preparation, preparation uh, cannot be under, uh, oversold enough is that it is uh, one of the key uh, drivers of success, both internally and externally, um, when you're either, whether you're in sales or you don't even have to be in sales, whether you're in the marketing department, you want to do some new marketing mm -hmm. initiative, uh, it doesn't have to just be, uh, you've got to be prepared to go sell your your idea. Yeah, no, you're 100% correct. And again, looking at great performers, whether you're in business, whether you're an athlete, that that preparation aspect is, again, controllable. And um, there needs to be a commitment to be excellent. And not everybody, a lot of people like to say that they're committed to being great or committing to, committed to excellence, but not everybody's willing to do the work to, to, to do that. So um, it's something that you can do. And when you do it, uh, results will will take shape. Agreed. Um, one of the things I think that you're excellent at now that we've kind of reconnected is you seem extremely engaged um, 
in LinkedIn and kind of other digital mediums. Uh, two questions. Why is that so important to you? And many of our listeners are just starting their careers. What advice do you have for them uh, to get their LinkedIn profile uh, up to date, even though that they might not have the greatest uh, experience? What uh, those two questions? Yeah. So to answer both of those those pieces, I, I think the first piece, yeah, the the LinkedIn piece, uh, I think is a, a really valuable tool for. Uh, any professional employee to you know promote the organization, promote business philosophy, promote really cool ideas, interact with other professionals. It's a great way to do that, and I think it can bring a lot of value to your fellow employees, to your customers. And the idea behind LinkedIn for me is how can I create value for my audience. And that's ultimately what drives me is, can I put something out there that somebody would see value in that could potentially start another idea, create another conversation, or benefit a current partner of the Penguins, or create a networking opportunity for either a personal contact of mine or a, a partner contact in a professional context. There are so many opportunities there, and I just think that that is the way the world is going. You have, I think I have like 6,000 followers on LinkedIn, and it's amazing how word travels when you put out interesting thoughts or you know, ideas or business opportunities or um, success stories, and you get interactions from all over the world. I, I think it's a unique medium, and I'm heavily invested in it. I preach it to our team, and I think um, if used correctly, it can be extremely powerful. To the, the listeners that are just starting their sports career, do exactly that. Think about your audience. You can create an audience. You have an opportunity to network with successful sports business executives successful folks in the industry and also um, identify folks via LinkedIn and say, look, I'd like to help you with some interesting partnership prospects, or I'd like to help you with a couple of marketing ideas that I had that I think would be appropriate to, you know, a minor league baseball team or an NHL team. And you can start to create value, even though somebody who's just starting their uh, you know, sports career doesn't have a lot of value to offer me. I have a lot more value to offer them. That's fine. The equation is lopsided right now, but somebody could try to even it up by saying, Hey Jack, here's 10 companies you should talk to because there's a, uh, an opportunity for you to generate a partnership in this fashion. All of a sudden I'm going to, I'm going to be interested in what they have to say because they're trying to help me. So how do you create value for your audience? And you'll slowly and organically build your uh, followership in there. I also think, too, those are great points. I also think, too, there's no excuse now for not knowing or not doing your homework Correct. Uh, when it comes to whether you're your next interview, whether it's your next sales prospect, whatever that it is. There's no uh, there's no excuse anymore. You can go look and find out about anything. I spent 15 minutes on Google and I feel like I know your professional life pretty good right now. Yeah. And, and it's indicative of your preparation and you can do that. And it, it, it doesn't take long. But if you're having a conversation with somebody that has had uh, some experience in whatever field that they're in, uh, know everything you possibly can about them. 
it's easy, it can be done, and now it exists because of a medium like LinkedIn. So I'm all in on LinkedIn. I think it's fantastic. And uh, I, I think it could be really beneficial for organizations, employees uh, across the board. I also think, too, that it gives you the ability to reach out, right? Like I randomly reached out to you. If there wasn't LinkedIn or if there wasn't me just going like, uh, hey, uh, right, uh, right, right uh, then I don't think that uh, we may not have ever reconnected ever again, right? Uh, so I think that it, there's no, there, it, it, it removes all the excuses, right? Well, I don't really know. I don't know. Just send them a note, right? What's the worst that can happen? They don't respond. Then who cares? You move on with your life. But, um, the ability to reach out and then be able to form those relationships and they can organically grow over time. You have no earthly idea where they could go. And no matter if you're in sales or you're in marketing, you're in finance, uh, it is all the same. It's all about building relationships. And I think you, uh, Jack, use LinkedIn uh, exactly how it should be done. And I think a lot of people can learn from you uh, on the best practices on how to do it. Our connection was a little iffy yeah. there. Um, <laughs> so um, one of the things uh, uh, that I noticed, too, is you, you've worked in, you know, we've both been in the industry about 15 years, and you've worked at about a half dozen places or so. Do you feel like there was a big break in your career somewhere? It's a really good question. Um, I, I, so I, I look at my career uh, almost in phases, and it's funny how you evolve as a human being. I, I think if you talk to, you know, 24-year-old Jack, and, and right now I'm 38 years old, uh, you, you get different answers on what you want to be and what you want to accomplish. And um, for me, I think it's understanding uh, how powerful – uh, you know, your network and the person you're meeting could you know, potentially change your life. So I'll give you an example. Um, I am at San Diego State. I'm in the middle of this sports MBA program. I have an opportunity to have a, a, an informational interview with uh, a guy who worked in the Major League Baseball Labor Relations Department. Uh, his name was Michael Kuharik. And uh, he took the time to meet with me and just share with me what he was doing from a day-to-day -day basis. Didn't have to do it. And um, I, at the time, I'm at this sports MBA program, and I'm looking for my shot, so to speak, to, to break in. And he, he, he says, you know what, Jack, we don't have anything, but I'd love for you to meet my boss. I think it'd be a really good idea for you to meet my boss. So uh, his boss was a guy by the name of John Abamondi. John, uh, we hit it off. We just talked uh, about baseball, about life. He has a fascinating background. And sure enough, about three weeks later, John called me and said, uh, we got an internship for you uh, if you can move out here to, to New York City. And so I left San Diego, moved to New York City, and all of a sudden things were off. And that specific opportunity didn't lead me into the path that I expected, which I wanted to be a, a baseball operations guy. And, uh, but it led me on a path to all of these different opportunities, ultimately ending up in sales and, and fast forward all the way to where I am today in, in partnerships uh, for the Penguins. But it's fascinating how I didn't anticipate having an opportunity to meet that guy, John, when I went for that informational interview, and now John is an executive vice president for Madison Square Garden, um, 
doing amazing things. All of the people that I've met throughout my career uh, at one time or another have really moved and shaked. And it's just amazing how you you never know who is watching and you never know who your next employer or employee could be because of those types of opportunities. Yeah, it's, uh, we talk about this too, is someone's always watching. Right. Like mm-hmm. no matter if you are the lowest of low, you feel like you're the lowest of low intern. Right. Uh, right. Someone's always watching. You're always being evaluated. Uh, and I think um, sometimes uh, young sports executives don't understand that. And like, who the hell cares about me? They all care about you. Right. You're no matter mm-hmm. what, there's uh, sports organizations in general compared to like IBM are small little companies. Right. Yep. Uh, yep. And uh, though they feel grander uh, that. No matter what you're doing, it all matters. So when you were looking at, you know, one opportunity for labor relations and then kind of switching, pivoting to a uh, a sales role, were there any kind of guiding principles, for lack of a better term, that you said, all right, when I go to this spot and then I go to this spot, then I go to this spot, uh, they all have got to have something or were they all kind of individualized decisions? Yeah, no, it was failure. And I'll go failure. back to that labor relations yeah, that, that's what happened. I, so with that Major League Baseball labor relations opportunity, um, there was a chance at a full-time job at the conclusion of the, uh, the internship, so to speak. And uh, it was a, 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 an opportunity that I wanted and I did my absolute best and I didn't get it. It wasn't, it wasn't mine and it didn't work out for me. And uh, I was like, okay, well, what, what am I going to do? Um, I failed. It didn't happen. And uh, the the supervisor that I had at the time, who uh, is currently the um, the general manager of the Phillies, uh, Matt Klintak, he told me, he's like, Jack, you, you'd be pretty good at sales. You ever think about sales? No. Uh, OK, I'll think about sales. <laughs> and sure enough, it, it kind of uh, opened uh, my eyes to a different career path. And because I failed and now had an opportunity to you have to look elsewhere. And sure enough, it really worked out for me. And I feel like I'm in the space where um, I want to be. I'm energized. I feel great about helping people. And, um, you know, I've had some success. So you, you'd be surprised when one door slams in your face. Uh, you never know <laughs> that there's, uh, there's another door opening right next to you. And, and uh, you need to be confident in that. That's funny. The, uh, I have a similar story. Right. So I was a football operations intern with the Houston Texans. Okay. Mm -hmm. I am driving. And so part of my job was to make the uh, tapes of different draft prospects uh, that were coming up in the upcoming draft. So you'd basically sit there and hit stop and record on literally a VCR uh, in uh, in the office. So. I am, I have my opportunity. Here's my big break. Charlie Casserly, the general manager at the time of the Houston Texans, needs a ride to the airport. Rob, uh, you go drive him. All right, cool. So we get in the car. We're headed to the uh, Houston airport. And uh, he was asking me how my internship was going. I said everything was good. And I told him that I was working on these scouting videos. And he asked me about, I, God, I, I, would kill, I would kill to remember the receiver's name. He goes, what do you think about the receiver? And he played at Oklahoma. That's what I remembered. Uh, what do you think about the receiver that's coming out uh, out of Oklahoma? I was like, oh, he's on my list. I was uh, I was making tape for him. So, like, oh yeah, what'd you think? And I was like, you know, uh, I think he's got 
quick hands, good speed, uh, can get off the ball real fast. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I think he's a good player. He goes, interesting. Uh, he's one of the slowest guys in the draft. Uh, ha- can't catch anything. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I blew it. <laughs> I blew it. And uh, I don't think I was asked too many times to uh, uh, give my uh, evaluation on uh, the speed or quickness of uh, of players any any longer. But uh, that's also kind of the slamming door shut the failure thing and kind of leads you on to a, yeah, sure. on, the, on, on a different path, which is uh, which is sales. So uh funny how that works out we have very similar stories um so from a sales standpoint now that you've done and you've succeeded uh and you're doing so well and you also seem like a person who really understands trends and where things are going in the partnership space what's next right like what what do you think uh is coming in the next five ten years in regards to uh to partnerships you know uh yeah no i i so for me um, I, you know, our approach here is very consultative. We want to be an extension of someone's marketing team. If we do our job well, we're not only helping their brand or their product or their service through what we're offering at the Penguins, we're helping their business overall. So one of the things that we try to pride ourselves on doing, and I think this is going to continue to expand in the future, is being this full service partner that has people on staff that are well versed in understanding business, not just sports marketing and not just partnerships or not just, you know, ticket sales, whatever it may be. And I think if we as sports teams can really become best in class at understanding somebody's business and providing tips, ideas, suggestions, campaigns for someone's, you know, uh, product or service outside of the sports partnership. I think that's where the opportunity to really succeed uh, is where it, where it'll eventually lead. I mean, we're, we're big on that. And I mean, ultimately people, you know, I use this example all the time. If you're talking to Dunkin' Donuts in your market. Dunkin' Donuts is not buying your professional or minor league sports team. They're buying, selling more coffee or donuts in that particular region. That's what they're buying. So if you can find a way to help them do that, uh, that's ultimately what they want. And if they have a lot of success in doing that through, you know, your team or organization, they'll spend more money with you. You have a really strong understanding of how their business works and uh, maybe some additional ideas outside of just what's happening between you and, and the, um, you know, the Duncan folks. I just think there's a lot of upside there. So I think kind of creating this you know, McKinsey Boston consulting model within the partnership framework is something that I see really growing in the future. And I think the teams that get out in front of it will really benefit. Yeah, I think that there's less of a one just saying, hey, let's put an outfield sign up just because you're a nice guy or in your case, mm-hmm. a, or a dasher board. Uh, yeah. Those days are are dying, right? Um, mm-hmm. That you need to really provide uh, a return. And you're right. It's all about if you're Duncan, it's, they really just want to sell more coffee. They just want to be able to get more people in their stores. And it's no different. Uh, and whatever that main goal is, whatever that metric that you're being judged off of uh, is, 
incredibly important uh, to keep in mind when you are uh, creating those partnerships. The uh, <clears throat> uh, one thing I wanted to ask you was uh, you've been in Major League Baseball, you've been with the Pirates, you've been with the Penguins. Um, what do you th- what do you think um, with specifically in regards to the NHL? I feel like the NHL is a pretty creative brand. They're able to get out there and do a lot of different things. What do you think separates the NHL from uh, other properties? Not to say that uh, one's better than the other, uh, but I feel like each uh, each property, the NFL, NBA, uh, minor league baseball, everything uh, is separates itself somehow. What's the way that the NHL separates itself? Yeah, I think, you know, from an NHL perspective, I think the big advantage that the league has is the actual sport and how it applies to the younger generation in regard to attention span. So if you physically attend an NHL game or even, you know, you're watching an NHL game on a tablet or on your TV at home, the speed of the game is just absolutely unbelievable. And I think that that lends itself really well to creating more and more of an appeal for a younger generation that doesn't have much of an attention span and is consistently distracted with screens. And so the fact that it's a, a consistent 60 minutes of action is, uh, is a really good thing for the league. Again, they, um, they're really aggressive with being creative trying to create opportunities for the league to shine. Again, everybody knows about the Winter Classic at this point and these outdoor hockey games, which have been a huge success and a real showcase for you know the league and the individual member clubs. And I think there's so much potential in the NHL that's not yet realized, but the actual nature of the game lends itself well to the way society is changing. So I'm excited about its future. It's awesome. Um... I'm so appreciative that you take the time. I know you're busy you're in the middle of the hockey uh, hockey season, and uh, uh, I'm just so thankful that you're able to take the time and uh, to to reconnect. But I do have one last question. All right? Sure. I have one sports god in my life, and that is mm-hmm. Mario Lemieux. How are you going to make me? Uh, how are we going to make uh, the uh, uh, intro to me and Mario Lemieux? <laughs> yeah well I, it's funny you 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 mentioned it i, I let me let me go grab um, <laughs> you, you made my heart skip uh, a beat right there right. No, no, my childhood hero and um I, I cannot help with that introduction but if i can if i can uh i'll let you know no he's um as you know he's an owner of uh, of the pittsburgh penguins he's um Incredible human being. I mean, the, the, I, I would encourage any of the listeners to look into what the Mary Lemieux Foundation has done for um, the Pittsburgh community and uh, so many people. It's pretty incredible what uh, Mario and, and his family have done for, uh, for the city and for the region. And he's a hell of an owner, and he certainly wants to win. Uh, he, he measures success by Stanley Cups. And uh, it's it's a pleasure to be working in an organization that, uh, you know, he's he's here and, and managing the ship. So uh, I can't help with that introduction. <laughs> and I'm not going to say I can. But at some point, if it changes, uh, I, I will let you know. Uh, but, yeah, it's been awesome. I can't believe, um, again, you've had so much success in your career and that we've co- reconnected after all, all of these years. So uh, it's been a great time. So thank uh, you. 
Oh, no, no problem. I, I said, uh, you know, you see, you, you probably feel the same way you get like when athletes come around, when you were a kid, you get nervous or something like that. But now as an sure. adult, you're in, it's like, yeah, who cares? The guy just puts on his pants just right. like everybody else. But I swear to God, if Mario Lemieux walked in and shook my hand. I would <laughs> lose my mind. Like he's like my legit right. childhood sports hero. When we were kids in, uh, uh, at Mount Gallitzin Academy that no longer exists. Apparently my mom probably knows that, but, uh, yeah. Uh, Anyway, uh, uh, I, I almost, uh, Jackie, but Jack, uh, Jack, uh, I am so thankful that you did this. This is probably one of the more surreal interviews I've ever done, uh, to reconnect with you. So one of the things that I'm going to post on it, so we're going to post this, uh, we're recording this on October 22nd, uh, my mom's birthday actually. And, um, oh, awesome. we're going to, uh, uh, post it in a week on Tuesday, uh, next Tuesday. Uh, okay. and when we post it. I have found, and my thanks to my mother, uh, some great pictures of you and I from like, okay. I don't know, 89 or 90 or 91 or something like that. So, uh, you got to check out, uh, the, the you got to throw them out there. Then. You got to yeah, throw out the social feeds. I think there's you and I with, uh, <laughs> starter jackets on the whole thing, uh, ice skating that's at great. North, at North park, the North park, uh, ice skating rink outside. So lots of that's fun. Outstanding. Can't wait. I, it's going to be, uh, uh, I, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm so thankful. So Jack, I really do. Uh, I, I do appreciate it. Thanks for joining front office features and we'll have to stay in touch. Thank you.